Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want salon perfect nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Star Wars Ranked. Me and a guest ranking things in Star Wars, and this is one of those episodes in which we look ahead to something coming down the Star Wars highway, and we take our hopes and we put them down on digital virtual paper and then put it onto a podcast. This is our hopes for The Mandalorian Season 2. Me and Joseph Scrimshaw, sir, welcome to the virtual war room of predictions. <laughs> I am happy to be here. This was an incredibly joyful one to think about. 
It was. Uh, and I say predictions, but really, that's eh, something I'm just not good at. And, you know, over the last few years, Joseph, predictions and, and taking big swipe and uh, swipes and sweeping guesses at, at what will be in Star Wars stories to to come is fun. And it's a lot of fun. And I love doing it. Um, but it also can we we've talked about where it can lead you. We we that hashtag speculate responsibly is something we really believe in here at Four Center. It's a T-shirt for God's sakes. Um, Joseph, I, I just want to start this before we look ahead to Mandalorian season two. Where where where, where are you at right now? And five years into you and I talking, <laughs> Star Wars Center, where are you at with like predictions versus hopes and 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 the, and the murky waters that connect them? Yeah, I think for me, I like making predictions, and I think on Force Center we've had a, a decent record of making predictions that are like about big picture emotional things, like what's going to be at stake for this character in the next part of their journey, or you know, um based on the trailer what different sort of star wars theme does it seem like we're really going to be focusing on uh kind of mm. big picture emotional things i kind of like predicting about because it, it really is looking at like well where has star wars gone before what does star wars character uh, what does star wars care about what do specific characters care about uh so i think i have fun predicting sometimes the what but mm. i think where where it gets into the weeds is the how or the details, or how, how these two moments are going to connect. That's the kind of stuff where I, I it's kind of fun to predict, but I'm also really happy to be surprised. Like, we'll go back to The Mandalorian. Obviously, no, the first season, nobody knew uh, about the child. We had heard rumblings that there's something about this that nobody knows about that is going to make it entirely yeah. different than everybody thinks. But, like, right after that first trailer, I was really invested, and you and I had a great conversation and thought about, like, ooh, this looks like it's really going to be about the Mandalorian's relationship with what it means to be a Mandalorian and having the Beskar thrown in his face by the client. And so, like, on one side, yeah, that's that's his journey. What does it mean to be a Mandalorian right now in, in this state of the galaxy? But the how of it, <laughs> no idea. And delightful, yeah. delighted to be surprised by it. And I think that's kind of the big picture thing of like, I like making big picture predictions and I want to be surprised by all the details along the way. Yeah, same. And I, and I only bring this up to start off this, uh, this Star Wars rank because I've been particularly at times grumpy 2019 into 2020 of just some, some kind of the conversations that pop up around fandom. But I always want to clarify, like, I just want to have a lot of fun doing it and I want all you out there doing that too. And sometimes it is very specific of, what we think will happen or what we want to happen. We say hopes and we're going in a lot of different directions in this conversation. And I love going back and listening to some early four center episodes or the time uh, you and I and, and Jennifer have done this about solo. And sometimes we get so close other times we're way off. And I actually enjoy being way off more than I enjoy being <laughs> close. So that said, uh, we also, I'll say this, we recorded this episode after and released it after the season two trailer dropped, but it was planned before. It was going to be kind of a, a week of Mando here, I guess you could say. Uh, and um, there is, uh, I, I don't know if your list was submitted to me before the trailer. I don't know if you've adjusted or, or anything on that. Mine was done after. Does that mean anything? No, it doesn't mean anything unless you're keeping some score, sort of score. <laughs> Joseph's descriptions had no help from those one minute and 52 seconds. <laughs> yeah, no, there are two things on my list, which were like, like I said, this was really joyful coming up with this list. Cause I had kind of just been like, yeah. Ooh, I want to just go into season two wide open. And then I was like, Oh, for this list, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna 
dream of what do I truly want? What do I hope for? Not even predict. What do I want? And a couple mm -hmm. of them have some possibilities uh, from the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, it is important uh, to me that I yeah. thought of these before the trailer because it made, <laughs> made the trailer only more joyful because like, oh, cross that hope off the list because I think <laughs> we might get it. <laughs> I love that. Um, all right. So yeah, that's, I just submit that for evidence in the courts. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, all right. Let's dive in. Uh, Star Wars rank works like this. If you're new to the show, uh, we have each chosen five uh, things to support the topic. The best of uh, whatever we're ranking today. The hopes for Mandalorian season two. We work five to one. We'll throw some honorable mentions in a little bit later after the break. Joseph, let's begin with your number five. My number five is is something that is uh, both uh, thematic and just one of those timeline things I'm fascinated with. Uh, I love that The Mandalorian has been doing lots of tip of the iceberg storytelling, as we say here on Force Center, where it kind of alludes to something and it lets you know what you need to know emotionally for the characters and it allows you to have fun imagining. But then sometimes I just want to see more of that iceberg. And my number mm -hmm. five is show me more of the iceberg on this particular issue. And that is clarity on the tragedy of Mandalore. And mm. for me, this is a little different than sometimes every once in a while, like there's a specific detail I want to know just because, you know, we collect lots of information about the timeline. Sometimes that's nice to have a specific detail, mm. but this is much more about like the how and the why of who the Mandalorian is, who the armor is and that kind of stuff. So uh, just to be a little bit clear on this, um, obviously we know and now have seen more in season seven of the Clone Wars of the Republic really brought the hammer down on Mandalore. Uh, after the Maldalorians and in, in the Death Watch kind of uprising, we even have that brief conversation of, uh, you know, the clone saying, we do not want to be an occupying police force. We're soldiers in the like Mandalore is not going to take this. So we know that at the beginning, as the Republic turned into the Empire, that there was some tragedy on Mandalore. We know that the uh, Empire had a presence and worked with Mandalorians. And then we go to Rebels, right? Uh, which is uh, just a couple of years uh, getting real close to a new hope by those later seasons. Right. And yeah. we know that there was resistance from some of our heroic Mandalorian characters. We know Bo-Katan was uh, holding that dark saber up. Right. And what I want to know then is what happens next, because yeah. there's been references on Mandalorian that I think a lot of people think are related to the events right during the it changed from the Republic to the Empire. But I really get the the feeling, the impression that after Bo-Katan is holding that Darksaber up at the very, very precipice of the, you know, rebellion against the Empire, that there is some other deeper tragedy. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but in in uh, the first season of Mandalor Mandalorian, they say at one point of like, they, you know, burnt our, our world or, you know, I... I paraphrasing again and i would just love to get some clarity between those two incidents because i think something even worse happened right at the to mandalore right at the beginning of the uh rebellion against the empire and i want to know that story yeah i do too uh, uh, this is something we we been going into season one especially after seeing the trailer and everything at, at celebration we're wondering and it's and i you know you and i i think you would agree we don't ever need any of these answers to have a good story so we're not we're not saying that in that terms but this is one that's beyond just curious to me this this affects the characters in the story especially if you know a lot of rumors and we're going to mention some of these rumors we're not 
calling any of them fact today. That should be um, a key to remember. But, uh, you know, if Bo-Katan shows up in this show, what happened and the loss of the Darksaber would affect her, would affect her character's point of view, would affect her journey. And and to, I, I wouldn't want it to be too much of vague uh, references to, you know, that thing over there. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, I'm not saying I want flashbacks. There's There might be a book that deals with it or a comic down the line. You know, we're getting a lot of Mandalorian tie-in books and stuff, whatever. But but yeah, I know what you mean. Just some some clarity. You used the term clarity. I do want that clarity. Yeah, yeah, because we've got to we've got to see more in season seven of Clone Wars about w- what is happening at one point in time. And yeah, to me, there's just something obviously happened uh, that is important to the characters. It's not just fill out the the history. But yeah, Bo-Katan lost that Darksaber, and that Darksaber is in the hands of Moff Gideon. And, you know, Moff Gideon seems to have a real uh, rough relationship <laughs> with Mandalore. Um, and something happened to drive the covert underground. And that, and I, I want to think that that incident uh, helped frame the way the existing Mandalorians hide, the way the existing Mandalorians think about themselves. Um, yeah. it, it changes the story of Boba Fett of if during the era of the, the Civil War, uh, the Mandalorians are just decimated and he is the Mandalorian to the galaxy that in effect affects his story. So there's actual like character and storytelling stuff that's affected by it as well as just being like kind of fun, cool, nerdy Star Wars history. I want to know mm-hmm. that chapter of Mandalore. Love it. That's a great way to start the show. The tragedy of Man- Mandalore. Give us more. Yeah, more tragedy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Give us more. Unfortunately, you know, Werner Herzog won't be there to explain it. Mm-hmm. Unless you know, we get flashback. Uh, so that is the number five uh, hope on your list. We'll go to my number five. It is this, the heart of grief cargo. <laughs> Got a great shot. Carl Weathers is grief cargo in the trailer. Yep, we see it. Look. Looks good. We know he's directing an episode. Uh, to have grief back is really cool, especially considering the character was supposed to maybe be killed off in season one, something we learned in the behind-the-scenes uh, stuff on uh, the Disney Gallery show. So, look, I, I just love, full disclosure, love Carl Weathers outside of Star Wars. I'm glad he's in Star Wars. And I'm intrigued to see where that character started. I wouldn't call him a straight-up bad guy. He's in an underworld type of position. He starts in a maybe bad place. And along the way, particularly in that journey in episode seven and eight, uh, starts to see things that change him, start to see things. And uh, he sticks around. He's on Navarro. He sticks around, maybe assumes a higher position. And maybe he's still working with bounty hunters, the underworld. I don't know. But I would just love to see that this character takes a step forward, not necessarily in terms of showing up in every episode and being important and being a lead. No, no, I would love that, but not necessarily that. But just that the next time we see this character, his heart has continued that journey forward. It's not just uh, something he learned. He was moved. He was saved. Uh, he was going to kill the Mandalorian and the child, but then ah, I didn't do it. But ah, you know what? Bounty hunting is still a good life. You know, whatever it is, you know, he might still get, he might still be in the business. The guild might still be going on. I believe there's still bounty hunters, right? but that the heart, his heart is strong and his heart has moved forward. I just love this character so much. I want to see him just have, have that layer. Yeah. I think that's great. Uh, new beard, new heart, right? That's the story yeah. of grief Karga. No, I love him. I love the little uh, picture that we get that he's really got that attitude of, you know, Hey, you know what? Maybe the new Republic is failing. Maybe they should be out here 
-hmm. in the farther reaches and they should be helping people and they're not. But I think he, the picture of the character that I got was he takes that, you know, legitimate concern and he uses it to just go, you know what, the, the world's, the galaxy's just awful. You know, it's, it's a killer be killed, you know, if you got a problem, what are you going to take it to the new Republic? That's a joke. They're a joke. So it's fine what I'm doing. It doesn't matter. You know, Hey, you know, a job's a job period. Yeah. And kind of hiding yeah. in that it's a, it's a different take, but a little bit of that Han Solo vibe of like, I look out for me and that's it. I'm running this thing and it's fine. And then he goes through these uh, transformative experiences and for him to now not suddenly go, I am a beacon of light, but for him to go, Oh, this is kind of a refreshing awakening of maybe I can have more agency. And instead of just seeing myself in a as a cog in the machinery of horror that is the galaxy, maybe I can put the guild back together the way I want it to be. And maybe I can yeah. have these new ideas that I want them to be. And I think there's still going to be a little bit of a, like, I'm a businessman. And hey, sometimes people get shot. I don't think that he's going to be like suddenly, you know, giving classes on Jedi philosophy or anything like that. But I think there's yeah. going to be that that change of heart and because he introduced this level of sort of theatricality to the character i'm really hoping for like so i'm like this is the way it is now you know i have birthed the new bounty hunters guild and our rules are these like i would love that it's uh, well, yes also uh, on, a, on a smaller level i just want another great awkwardly perfect grammar delivered as i deliver it badly a uh, speech from grief Karga. <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, my grammar bad grief cargo is good all right uh, that is my number five which means you were up to your number four hope for the mandalorian season two yeah my number four kind of goes along in a way and uh, it is i am hopeful to see the tenants of the mudhorn clan uh i really mm-hmm. like the whole storytelling in mandalorian season one that you know you that there are these rules to being a bounty hunter but more importantly there are these rules of honor to being a mandalorian they are being really tested by being a mandalorian who is you know just out in the galaxy getting by uh quill brings that up to uh din dejarn of like but you you have this kind of epic past and legacy to live up to like in in mando going from like I don't want to learn to ride that thing to you rode the mythosaur. Come on, like answer your higher calling and uh, goes through this journey with the child and ends up at that point where the armor kind of gives him the speech, gives him the signet and says, you know, you're a clan of two. The two of you are, are, uh, you know, bonded together. And the way forward for you right now in your clan of two is to find the place that he belongs. And I think kind of hint, hint, and maybe you'll find where you belong. So for the time being, where they're, you know, separate from the the covert that he was in, he's kind of leveled up as a Mandalorian, that he has his own signet, he has his own clan of two. It, he's really set up to, you know, reprogram himself the way uh, IG-11 did, that he's open to that idea. And mm. as he's going forward with the child and being a parent, like... It's almost like it's this fun way to say, what are the rules of the house? <laughs> you know, yeah. what are the rules of the Razor Crest? What are the rules of a Mando uh, daddy? Uh, but it's also like a part of being a Mandalorian that I, I would imagine mm-hmm. each clan within the honor system of the Mandalorian, within the beliefs of, of the creed of Mandalorian, uh, mm-hmm. what are the individual tenants? What are the things they believe in? And are they going to shape them? Is, is it going to be anything that's literally spoken of, of, Din Djarin turning to the child and saying, 
in the Mudhorn clan, we don't X. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> we don't listen to space pop music. Um, what? Yeah, this is this is this is great, uh, and and this is probably something that's not necessarily as we're joking, not necessarily going to be uh, expressly stated uh, at times, but m- maybe. But what what do you what happens if this clan expands? Do you see that happening to to counter or or to expand this uh, thought with you? Uh, I'm not necessarily Cara Dune or Grief Cargo or anything, but someone else along the way. Uh, w- would that even make it more important for you to really know what is this clan versus just more more members on the team? Yeah, I think so, because I think that's a little bit of what's at stake in season one of, you know, Mando getting adopted so young uh, and w- really wanting to walk the way of Mandalore. Um and seeing that as a contrast between like being in a clan, being in a covert is clearly a kind of family, a kind of bond. But he defines that in contrast to the kind of traditional family uh, that is offered to him by uh, Omer, right? Uh, where she wants to take yeah. his helmet off and she just wants him to, you know, uh, sit on the porch and <laughs> uh, drink and watch the sunset while the children play. Like, and he's like, no, 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 that's not who I am. But now he's still a Mandalorian. But he's got this kid. So he's kind of got this idea of, is it possible that a more traditional idea of family could meet with the more traditional idea of what it is to be a Mandalorian, what it is to be a, a hunter? And now that I let this kid into my life, could I end up adding more people to my life? And suddenly I, I've got mm. a family, but not in the way I ever expected. Mm. That's great. Did you write an episode this year? Cause I, <laughs> I wish. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I like that. I like to see where that goes. Okay, great. Hey, yeah, uh, the, that's that's great. I'm I'm really on board with that one. Yeah, love that idea. Yeah, it's my. I, I, can I take that as a hope too? Oh, please, can yeah. I, the, I I agree with all your hopes, so I will <laughs> be sharing hopes. I don't know. I don't know. All right, uh, my number four hope is this: Cobb Vanth, more than a name, <laughs> more than a feeling. Yeah, here it is. So let's directly address a, a rumor that could be a potential spoiler if you're. Afraid of that? You want to go in completely blind? I understand. Absolutely. Uh, there's already been some freeze framing. Uh, and I do enjoy a good freeze frame, folks. I do enjoy a good freeze frame. Please keep sending me them. I actually enjoy them. I just don't want to base all my enjoyment on them, uh, what they could end up being. But so there is the rumor. Timothy Oliphant was cast. And then there's a rumor that his character will be in the Boba Fett armor, but not necessarily Boba Fett. And of course that directly leads to this character of Cobb Vanth, the self-titled sheriff of Freetown on Tatooine. So I hope just as much as people are hoping that ice planted in the trailers, Ilum and all that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of hope so too. I really, really do want to see Cobb Vanth in this series. I think there's a place for the character, but I want it to be more than just a name, Joseph. I, I don't want it to just be, you know, Timothy Oliphant is doing his Deadwood character in space, which, by the way, is, you know, great show, great character. But and and that's it. And and this is it's interesting because Favreau, we can joke, you know, he, I, I saw the joke going around Twitter of like almost you, you almost expect Favreau to be like, hey, we got Gamorrean guards fighting, right? Deep cut reference Gamorrean guards, right? <laughs> uh, some poking of that. But you got Filoni there. But this is neither of them, uh, not, neither of their storytelling uh creation this is chuck wendig from aftermath you know when wendig's not involved he he's even tweeted out when the rumors were going i have no idea i wrote some books and i'm done with it like i got nothing on i got nothing kids i'm watching with you so if they're gonna pull it if there's a hey we got this character floating around and it might work um 
I really want it to matter. I think Cobb Vanth is a pretty interesting character. It's not super flushed out. It is a, you know, it is a, an interlude character, but I like the stuff going on there. It is a former slave who does not want to see Tatooine fall under uh, under the control of, of uh, companies uh, and uh, businesses and, and uh, gangsters and organizations that w- will do ill will to the people there. I think there's a, a good thing there, and I want to know wh- how and why it would factor in. If you're going to use them, give me a big why. And it's, I don't know if this is a hope, is more if it's a threat <laughs> for me. I don't know. No, and I, I'll be happy either way. And again, it could, Timothy Olivant could be, you know, another insert other name in, in the Boba Fett army, and Cobb Vanth is not mentioned at all. Uh, we all have to kind of be braced for that. I, I just, I am one who I am all for the connections that matter. And I, I do want this one to matter. And if they use it right, I, I, I'll be open to how. I, ju- I, just, I just want that why. And, and that's kind of all I got for it. I don't have anything specific. I just, I'm directly hearing those rumors and, and, and part of me getting excited, but, but tempering my excitement so I don't, I'm not disappointed. I just, um, I think it's an interesting story. I wouldn't want it just to be a, a, path, a passing reference in the night. Yeah, yeah. This is one that uh, is both, the Timothy Oliphant is going to be Cobb Vanth, this, you know, relatively obscure character uh, from mm-hmm. a series of books that are, you know, greatly debated among fans. You know, you and I really like uh, the all the ideas in those books and a lot of characters mm-hmm. continue to resonate from those books. Um, but yeah, but but they're books that a lot of people have strong feelings about uh, obscure character. Uh, and, and yep, for sure, that's who T- Timothy Oliphant is going to play. So on one hand, it's like, this is wild. On the other hand, it's like, well, when every sound is in harmony with itself, how can we doubt it? Like, Timothy yeah. Oliphant is perfect casting for the character. Yeah. And the reason that it doesn't feel wild and out there to me is if all of uh, the other rumors are true of uh, of Tamora Morrison uh, coming back and, and possibly playing uh, Boba Fett, um, mm-hmm. this is one of those things where, it, to me, it's important to think about how the creators go about uh, creating. I don't think there's any moment where John uh, Favreau is walking into the Lucas Story Group and saying, "Could you please give me a rundown of all the, however many hundreds of new characters and ideas the publishing side has created uh, since 2014, 2015?" I think this is one of those. Hey, I want to. I want to tell Boba Fett. You know what? What happened with him? in modern canon like and and or even floney saying like okay but we got this kind of thing where we have an implication that somebody else took his armor and we haven't really decided where boba fett is so we could tell that story where boba fett is we're playing with these ideas for the movies and uh there's this Cobb vanth and then who's the character of Cobb vanth where Mm -hmm. I, i can imagine a world where they break it down Cobb Vanth is his character. We don't know much about him. We know that he was a slave. We know that there was an utter power vacuum uh, when Jabba's operation was destroyed. Uh, There was a concern that a bunch of different criminals would just overrun Tatooine and everyone would suffer as they fight uh, for control and resources. And here's a guy who took this armor he found and wore it like an Old West sheriff to try to help people. And you just say that to somebody like John Favreau, he's responding to the idea. He's not responding in, in my imagination of this scenario to here's this little bit of canon. You have to include it. If you're uh, talking about Boba Fett, here's this, here's this little, you know, uh, obscure star Wars reference. 
he would respond to the idea of Cobb Vanth. The idea of Cobb Vanth lines up perfectly with what's being dealt with in The Mandalorian. So that's what makes it feel to me like it's not that bonkers to think it's possible. Yeah, I, I like, yeah, thank you. Uh, I think I need to hear some of the stuff you said. This isn't like one of my super, super favorite characters that I must have something, you know, just, I just really like the idea. I, I like Western kind of motifs and themes anyways. Again, mentioning Deadwood, a damn fine show. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy uh, Oliphant's work in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would, uh, yeah, it, it does kind of line up. And I think I, I think going into season one, there was even some thoughts of like, well, you know, this character exists, but it just, you know, I didn't know how it would matter, but it does seem like it would fit. It does seem like thematically there'd be something there that um, could, could help the show or, or, or uh, you know, just, just add to the show more than help is, is, is what I should say. Um, and so it's good. Yeah. And look, I love the, I even do text and text and Alex Damon over Star Wars explained today, just like, I imagine this conversation's going on. Dave Filoni's like, oh, that's great. Everyone thinks that planet's Ilum. And Favreau's like, what's Ilum? <laughs> uh, you know, jokes aside. But yeah, and he's not walking into a room. Matt Martin, what you got? It, it's not happening. It's just not. But the themes can lead to these things, much like the Sagarera, the use of Sagarera in Rogue One was a case of that. Of Well, we got this. And it lines up. So, all right, cool. It's it's a hope. It's a hope. It's a strong hope. Yeah. That's my number four. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it is just one of those things where lots of cool, uh, hey, a character from a smaller part of Star Wars became a part of bigger Star Wars is often because it could be that somebody uh, like Favreau said, hey, I want to do a small town sheriff on Tatooine. <laughs> and the story group's like, we got one. Here you go. Yeah. It could be as simple as that, too, that the idea was already <laughs> there. And like, yeah, no, it, he already exists. Here you go. Like that, to me, is the, like, the purest and often stated purpose yeah. of the story group. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, that is my number four, which means we are up to uh, your number three. Uh, my number three, I'm going to flip them around a little bit because we're already on this track and I want to stay on that track. Uh, so my number three, this is definitely getting into far from prediction and into mm. hope. And I packed a bunch of different hopes into one thing. Here it is. You did. Uh, number three is Boba Fett wrestles with his legacy as both a clone and an alleged Mandalorian while on a visit to the ruins of Camino. <laughs> so, I, so uh, you know, sometimes Star Wars rank, we completely surprise each other. Lately, we've been making sure we don't step on each other's uh, thoughts and toes and everything. I read this, and I read it exactly how you read it, sir. I was like, Boba Fett wrestles? Oh, this is great. Legacy of the Clone? Oh, yeah. As an alleged Mandalorian, definitely. Want a visit to the ruins of Camino? I was like, holy, whoa. <laughs> yeah, okay. Keep going there. Love that. Idea. All right. You know, the image on uh, that gets shared on Twitter of the uh, person explaining the conspiracy theory with, uh, you know, the frizzled hair and the strings between everything. That's how I feel right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if the rumors are true that Boba Fett is back, if Tamora Morrison is back, you know, there's been a discussion of like uh, and rumors back and forth. Is he Boba Fett? Is he Rex? Is he both? I'd be happy with both. Um, there's always a discussion of, you know, people of, uh, of my age who grew up with the original trilogy have this love of Boba Fett as this man of mystery. A lot of people come to him later is like he says and does next to nothing. And then, you know, uh, appears to die in an, a cruelly embarrassing way. Get it. Uh, and the reason that I always continue to be excited for Boba Fett is I think there's so much to explore in the fact that he is a clone, uh, very different than the other clones. And yet he still is a clone and we don't ever really know, too much about how he felt about that we know that he has this you know sense of 
of vengeance towards the Jedi and, and another character who is defined by the loss of a, a parental figure. Um, so there's a lot, I think, in the character to talk about. But now in, in the context of the Mandalorian, even the way uh, Fevreau originally put out the, um, the ad on his Instagram for it, he talks about, well, there is Django, there was Boba, but now we got a new Mandalorian. And there's right. always been this floating, like, well, in the Clone Wars, Almec says Django isn't a Mandalorian. He just stole the armor. And you're like, well, what does that mean for Boba Fett? So there's that really interesting thread to pull on. And in the first season of Mandalorian, so, so well established that um, the Mandalorians are a rare sighting. Mm-hmm. And if Boba Fett was holding that mantle while being kind of well-known across the galaxy is the deadliest, most fearsome bounty hunter, and that was the face of what a Mandalorian is for several years, I would imagine other Mandalorians have opinions about that. And to, mm-hmm. to have him confront that and to kind of get that canon information of, out of all the things that make up Boba Fett's identity, the loss of Django, the fact that he is a clone, uh, the fact that he is seen as in the galaxy as the Mandalorian and how he defines for himself a Mandalorian. All that stuff is juicy and interesting. It's why I still care about Boba Fett And this show feels perfectly primed to actually deal with those things. Since this show is called the Mandalorian, uh, since it's mm. a possibility that Rex might show up and Rex might sure have some opinions about yeah. how Boba Fett has not done right by being a clone. Uh, mm. The Din Djarin might have some opinions about how Boba Fett has not done right by being the Mandalorian. And then to get to the the largest, farthest away string on my conspiracy board of Kamino, we saw that Kamino patch on Dr. Pershing. There is ample reason to suspect that uh, there's a desire to clone either the child or clone, you know, his blood, uh, you know, to to use in experiments and to give force powers to other people or power a weird Sith force machine or whatever they want with it. There is a connection to cloning. Uh, I think there is a good possibility that the empire, you know, just took care of Camino uh, the same way they took care of Geonosis. So then you even got some combinations of that relates to whatever the empire did to Mandalore. So man, if there is some, it sounds absurd, but then it, it actually does bundle all these ideas together if for some reason Mando needed to go to Camino to track down what was actually happening, what the actual threat mm-hmm. to the child was, and he encounters Boba Fett living in his childhood home in some ruins on a devastated planet, it, it's not that far-fetched. It, again, it's not a prediction. I'm not saying episode four, yeah. it's going to be Camino. This is, this is where it gets back to hopes. I like all these ideas and I mm-hmm. have this hope that maybe some element of them could pop up because they actually make thematic sense in what's yeah. at stake for the story and the characters. Yeah. Uh, and when, when some of the, the rumors and stuff started dropping, I, I, I remember we, had, we did have some discussions on the four center main show about this and we, we, we kind of went to some spot of imagine what you could actually really do with Boba Fett versus just him uh, jingle jangly spur showing up and being a thorn in the side or some action reason. And I'd love to see some action with Boba Fett, but yeah, you could really do something great with this character showing up, really deal with some stuff. And what a fun, I don't know, 
irony that Favreau's like, can I do a Boba Fett series? No. Okay, I'll come up with this character. Can I do Boba Fett now? Yeah. But you know what you got to do? You got to really deal with what happened to him in the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's fascinating too because I, I, I will always think even, uh, you know, from, from Favreau talking about his Boba Fett socks to sometimes er- early on in press slipping and calling <laughs> the Mandalorian Boba Fett. Um, yeah that he this Mandalorian series is totally reclaiming the mysterious mystique that uh people used to love about Boba Fett so what would would uh would he want to return that mystique to Boba Fett in some way or would he be more interested in dealing with some of the prequel stuff or probably a mix right yeah yeah and, and look you know and, and what's interesting in talking about you uh, the siege, uh, the tragedy of Mandalore too when you think timeline wise, going back to 1980 or, you know, 78, when Boba Fett walks in a parade for the first time and the holiday special and all that stuff. And it's a, you know, an ancient a character that's from an ancient uh, group of warriors and all that kind of, you know, myth stuff gets put in the character. And George, George doesn't know that this is going to go on and da, 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 da. But now, now here we are. Uh, this second tragedy of Mandalore, uh, you know, counting some of the other stuff that happens in the Clone Wars and stuff we know about the one that we don't know about this, this happens within a couple years. We got to assume of, of Boba Fett tooling around the galaxy as the best bounty hunter around. Yeah. And you said earlier about him kind of being a representation for whether he is or not of, for Mandalorians to the galaxy. When you meet him, you're like, Oh, that's, that's a Mandalorian. Whether, you know, he's wearing the arm or not doesn't factor into your reaction to him in, in galaxy. But it's not too far from the actual, perhaps, final fall of Mandalore, right? Yeah. And that why would that would actually be something he has to know about, hear about, or deal with? And if you deal with that in any way, shape, or form, you know, is is could he be accused of you know some sort of stolen valor? You're walking around saying this, and we're the ones who wouldn't sacrifice. We're the ones who lost, and does he deal with that? Does he feel guilty about that? You, you the Camino thing's great because I imagine him. Uh, untucked shirt, drinking some space wine. Yep. Uh, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, is it is it Mandy Patinkin and Princess Bride and and uh, Andre the Giant has to uh, dunk Boba Fett's head in water to get him better? <laughs> here, here, we're gonna get you going again. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's potentially really good. It's potentially really powerful and re add add some new layers, wrinkles, and context to a, a character that you're right has over the years, people go, eh, you know, Boba Fett. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like that too. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. And I mean, I, you shouldn't uh, leave this part of the conversation without saying Tamora Morrison is one of, I think the best actors uh, in the mm-hmm. prequels. In I think just a phenomenal actor with just such a great gravitas and, and uh, can express uh, so much within also being kind of like a, a cool, doesn't say much guy. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I mean, honestly, when, when you're talking about hopes to meet a kind of broken down, just sipping space whiskey, feeling sorry for himself uh, without his armor, even because Cobb Vanth has it, Boba Fett. Uh, and that's the way we meet him. And then I, I, I will predict if the rumors are true and Boba Fett is back, one of the things I think John Favreau absolutely will do will go, oh, hey, kids, you think Boba Fett isn't cool? I'm going to show you the most devastatingly cool Boba Fett action so I never have to hear Boba Fett isn't cool again. There you go. Look, and if he redons the armor, having great purpose behind it now, 
could be very powerful. Or he shows up and he's smoky cool and he does cool things and cool and we all go cool and the and the story moves on. I don't know. But anyways, I'm with you. That's a great hope. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me uh, lay out my entire uh, string-connected <laughs> conspiracy Boba Fett theory. No, it's all great. It's all great. So that is uh, your number three. We're going to my number three. All right. Here it is, folks. This is a long title. It's the title of a novel that will never get written. Exploring the Shattered Remnants of the Empire. The who, what's, and why's of what is left. All right. Here's here's what I got. So I really love uh, Moff Gideon. I think um, I love all, I just, it's kind of not great dialogue, quite frankly, but I do love the, this is an E-Web repeating blaster as I'm reading from a Sears catalog in 1980. (laughs) I just love it. And Giancarlo Esposito is a great actor. And I just, I just love everything about it. And the reveal of the dark saber just absolutely was a big giant. Ooh. And I love oohs in my star Wars. Um, but going back to that, that interview where they touched before season one of, Oh, we're going to kind of give you some of the answers about the origins of the first order. And that was never to be taken literal. Um, now we could get a little bit more of the literal stuff. Mm-hmm. There could be a little more, with there, I'm not expecting some kind of big speech. We are five years or so after. Uh, eight was it? 16, 18 months. I always the timeline's rough. We inside, you know, around year and a half, two years. Following the Battle of Endor is uh, the Jakku stuff. That is when Ray Sloan and everyone boom off to the unknown region. So for about three years after that, totally real, totally realistic that it, there's still pockets of resistance. That there's still people believing in the empire, that there's still people using the armor and the gear and the techniques and the tactics of the empire for their own causes and seeing the vacuum of power. And I think Moff Gideon slides into that. So I don't want simple Rick Ollier exposition of here's all the players on the board of the empire, but I would love to know and have it dealt with, especially if Gideon's got a star destroyer or, you know, a bunch of, you know, the fact that he was able to call reinforcements to Navarro and, and does have this gear, you know, what's he got and what's he, what's he want this for? What's he believe in this, this thing that he's putting out there that Esposito's putting out there in, in interviews of like, what if I, what if I offer something to Mandalorian? What if I have some sort of traditional classic Star Wars temptation to the dark side type of thing? How that would attack, uh, uh, attach itself to just the empire right now. And do they know? Because the, are, are these, I've always said, the stormtroopers of Navarro totally look like the crew that would be left behind. Like, oh, we didn't, we got launched on the rocket into the sun. Everyone else got to go to planet Earth too. Like, <laughs> damn it. Um, they've got to be aware of that. And are they proud to be there? Have they spun it around to be like, no, we're we're good. We're glad we got left behind. Unknown regions, Ray Sloan was an idiot. We're gl- we're here and we're we're glad. And again, I'm not, I'm not predicting that the name Ray Sloan we mentioned though, please. I'd love it. Um, you know what I mean? So I don't know if that makes a, I don't know if that makes perfect sense, Joseph, but I just a little bit of the Imperial state of the galaxy right now, more than just this guy with a tie fighter and a dark saber. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. And again, this is something that maybe could sound like here's a bunch of exposition we want, or, you know, here's a Wikipedia entry we want about the state of the galaxy. But I think it, isn't that because it flows logically from who is this character? What does he want? What does he believe? Uh, Because Mm -hmm. we've been introduced to different ideas that different Imperial remnants have about, well, I'm just going to keep going to keep my squad alive. Or we know the first order part of it of like, let's have a rebirth and let's go off into 
the other uh, the unknown regions. We know the people who think like uh, the empire was good because it maintained order. Uh, this weird dark sorcerer crap. Don't want anything to do with that. And then we know some people who are like, you know, it's really all about the dark sorcery. That's the good part. So we know lots of different perspectives. So it's great to ask, what is Moff Gideon's? What is his actual goal? Does he just want to take over a territory? Is he himself just personally obsessed uh, maniacally with power? Does he have a vision of rebuilding the empire? Does he know about the First Order and, and wants to go to the Unknown Regions and, and take over that burgeoning uh, bit of the empire? Uh, what Obviously, it seems to me, big picture, they want the child for its power in some way. Mm-hmm. But to what end? Is that for Moff Gideon himself? Is that tied to Exegol in some way? Is that tied to some other thing that we haven't heard of or talked about? All those inter- are really interesting questions that will reveal the character of Moff Gideon, reveal the stakes of what the Mandalorian is actually fighting against, and along the way, tell us more about the state of the Empire. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> the other thing yeah. that I have meant to talk to you about, which I'm just so entertained about, because you you always mention in such a fun, good-humored way uh, that great uh, speech about the E-Web heavy repeating blaster uh, that is basically a, a entirely creepy Wikipedia entry that Giancarlo Esposito is the only actor who got nominated for an Emmy. Uh-huh. He got nominated for an Emmy uh, for reading a Wikipedia entry about a blaster. And that means he's a damn good actor. Yes. Yeah, no, that whole thing and just and, and an unveiling that his knowledge he has about everyone there and running through. And it's and it is it's exposition. It's it's episode eight learning. who Hey, these characters just met. Here's who they are. They've hinted at some of this stuff, but here's who they are. No, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it's and it was chilling in its own way. It's a different kind of villain. Uh, speaking softer, sometimes a little more freaky than a bunch of screaming, right? So, yeah, can we get that? This is a super star destroyer. <laughs> I found it in two watt drive yards. <laughs> give, me, give me more of that. All right, so that is uh, that is my number three. Give me the story, the empire, how it all matters, and what does Moff Gideon want? We are now at your number two. Uh, my number two is one of the ones that I almost changed after having seen the trailer and decided, you know what, hell, I'm keeping it. Uh, my number two is experience the might of the New Republic. Uh, mm. I, this is something that I have banged on about a lot if uh, you're a regular listener to Force Center. Uh, but I just, I really do love the idea of the complexity of this situation of, hey, the Empire was clearly bad. They were clearly devastating planets, clearly uh, totally ravaging and ruining people's lives. The New Republic has the greatest of intentions to try to take over, but it is hard to keep order over the whole galaxy and you know police everything without also being overly controlling. Uh, and also with having like, hey, we, we need to have enough of a fleet to protect people but, you know, if we show the galaxy uh, a fist, they'll show us a fist back. So we don't want to have a huge army, says Mon Mothma. Uh, and I feel like the Mandalorian's in such a great place to wrestle with that. And I love that what was shown in the first season of, oh, if you got a legal problem, you could take it to the New Republic like they're a joke. But then when the New Republic actually does show up, everybody's like, oh, no. And they just take care of business immediately. And they're actually terrified of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was really hoping to see more of not just the might of the New Republic, not just more of what we saw in uh, Chapter Six of Season One of like, no, no, no. When the when the X Wings show up, everybody is frightened uh, because the New Republic does have might in this era. 
but also just some of the sort of philosophical or moral might of like, yep, they are not everywhere and they are definitely failing people in their power vacuums mm-hmm. that they aren't doing enough about. But seeing a little bit of that other side of like, but if you go closer into, you know, the interior, uh, they're creating a better galaxy for right now. Um, so I, I was excited to see both the physical or philosophical might of the New Republic. And man, those shots of X-Wings <laughs> come alongside mm. uh, the Razorcrest and opening their S-foils. Yeah, definitely definitely going to see the might. Now I maybe want to see uh, the, the moral might. Um, and in just wild, wild hopes and dreams, you know, uh, it would be great to see or hear like a hollow of Mon Mothma um, to encounter a therapy Ewok or, or my dream of dreams to see the character also from Aftermath, uh, Sinjar Rath Vallis, you know, uh, somebody who is who used to be an M- Imperial, somebody who is definitely like uh, gritty and honest about how horrific the world can be, but kind of found mm-hmm. this calling to work with the New Republic and, and kind of try to have some hope and optimism. And like, that's an interesting mm-hmm. character to pop up and uh, represent the New Republic. Definitely not listing that one as a prediction. I don't think half the characters of Aftermath are going to show up in this one season of The Mandalorian. So that one's more of a of a sub hope under yeah. experience the might of the New Republic. Yeah, this is this is uh, not just great, but this is this is potentially important as the story goes on. Not just this season, but if we go go beyond, this was pitched as hey, on the far reaches of the galaxy, this Western vibe, the Mandalorians out there, you know, between the dust and the glory of the galaxy, and uh, then we get, you know, the New Republic shows up, like you said. The director squad shows up. <laughs> but with Moff Gideon going around, realistically, uh, with the tools that he has, the, the New Republic knows. The New Republic is aware. If if we got uh, a, a novel series, the Alphabet Squadron, if we got a video game coming out that is, yes, closer to the events of Battle of Endor before the, you know, the, the fall, the official fall, the Galactic Concordance and the Battle of Jakku and all that stuff, yes, I get that. But if they've, they've got, they're still fighting that war, even if now, if someone's walking around with TIE fighters, stormtroopers, speeder bikes, and maybe potentially a walker or a starter store or something bigger, uh, if the New Republic doesn't deal with that in some way, story-wise, I, I, I would absolutely be going, huh? Yeah. It's, at some point, this does have to become big enough or just big enough to be on their radar screen. And could we be getting that? That shot, S-foils locked in attack position, flying through the clouds, all that kind of stuff. I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I can believe it's small enough, right? Same, same with the X-Wings in, in episode six. This year, you're blowing up the, the basic. Yeah, it's a small little thing, right? Just a day in a life, right? <laughs> At some point, if Moff Gideon, I, 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 again, I, I, can't, I can't say it's a prediction, just like you're saying, but like at some point, a, a, a paper's going to come across the desk of Leia. <laughs> Hey, someone's got to start a story out there. Yeah. Oh, oh, we got to deal with that. So, yeah. So moving towards that, I don't think it will happen this year, but but to move towards that, I, I would want that to be part of the story. Yeah. And, and maybe to even that story of like, it is more of a criticism of the New Republic. Like, yeah, Leia is definitely like, no, we have to deal with that. But are there other people in the government going, oh, we can send two X-Wings. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, that'd be interesting. Very interesting. That's- so that's my yeah, number it, two, yeah. And I do like that you slipped in a therapy Ewok. I think you <laughs> do need that. Uh, so it's a great number two. Uh, yeah, I would love if Sinjur showed up as well and some other uh, storytelling uh, here. Probably not, but 
down the line somewhere else? Maybe. Great number two, we're up to mine number two. After that, we'll take a quick break, come back with some honorable mentions and our number one choice for our hopes in Mandalorian season two. But my number two is this. Hear me out, folks. The child's first words. Yeah. Word. All right. So uh, here's where this thought came, came about. This, I will say, wasn't from like the trailer, but me watching the trailer. Two different things, if you, if you follow me here. I was watching it again, even after you and I recorded our breakdown and discussion over it. And I just was uh, just so warm. My heart's just warm seeing the Baby Yoda stuff, right? And, and, and the gifts going around and the pictures and the new rent and the amount of Baby Yoda merchandise we're going to have even more. But I thought, look, like every sitcom in history, that cute kid's got to grow up. <laughs> get the show goes on. We're going to have teen Yoda. And we, we people have made those jokes before, too. I'm not being super original here. I get it. So at some point, what's that first word? Is this going to be like Maggie Simpson? Can we get the ghost of Elizabeth Taylor? To, <laughs> to I don't know. Respect Elizabeth Taylor. I would love to see it, Joseph. I would love to see it. It doesn't have to be some big giant moment of reveal. And the first word could be daddy. I don't know. I don't care. I just would like to see it. It would be a real sweet moment, but potentially a really important moment. And also slowly brace us all for the move forward for the growth and uh, maturation of the child. Yeah. Yeah. When he looks up at his daddy and says, E-Web heavy repeating blaster. That's <laughs> <laughs> his first words. That's what it is. Don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's absolutely great. Um, I think it is just sort of, I think it's a pretty good prediction uh, as well as a hope. Um that it's just kind of pitch perfect for the way the child has been handled is there is that element of deep sentimentality and, and deep comedy with this cute little relatable guy taking his, his first little wobbles into the world. Uh, but even from that great funny shot in the trailer of him closing the pram because because uh, the whistling birds and the daddy violence is coming, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that he is growing right he is becoming more less intuitive and more aware of his environment and and extremely reactive to it um that it only follows that we might get some little bit of development and you know if it's handled right a first word is either going to be an affirmation of the direction of the mudhorn clan or it's going to be uh the realization of a problem Mm. yeah Mm insightful yeah a lot of people reacting to um the child on on that snowy planet and and on that close-up shot we even used in our thumbnail thumbnail for the youtube video of just like there seems seems to be some sort of realization or some kind of recognition recognize recognition recognition echinacea which is a great thing to take when you say (laughs) um just some you know there's something in his face that says he's aware of something potentially and and that that's a freeze frame kind of analysis but that made me think too of just like to your point too. Excellent. He now he knows he's not just floating around the galaxy unaware of things. He knows stuff. He feels things. He's growing. He's fifty, but he's a he's a baby, and he's not going to be forever. So we're gonna have to deal with it. I'd love to see it here in season two. That's right. He turns fifty one, and all bets are off. All bets are off. Ain't so cute anymore, huh, kid? <laughs> eh? All right, there we go. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And after that, we're going to talk about our honorable mentions and our number one hopes for Mandalorian Season 2 here on Force This is Star Wars Rank. See you in a bit. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp. As a podcast listener, you've heard from us before. Today, let's hear from our members about what online therapy has done for them. I would recommend my therapist 1,000 times over. She has truly changed my life. The day after my first session, my friends and family said I sounded like myself again for the first time in weeks. You deserve to invest in your well-being. Visit BetterHelp.com to see what it can do for you. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138.
Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Welcome back to Star Wars Ranked, the 98th edition of this ongoing series. Here on Force Center, Joseph Scrimshaw and I are here looking ahead to Mandalorian Season 2 and our hopes. We have a fun list going, some deep discussions when maybe even, I don't know, Joseph, I, I was like, could there be deep discussions had in the child's first words? And yet you better believe there, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So we uh, always have some uh, things that don't quite make the list honorable mentions i want to get to them uh here I, I i definitely know i don't have as much as you and i'll say this joseph uh, off air you and i were discussing it too i, I think it's worth a an on-air discussion of of you and i sometimes looking ahead we just feel a little out of rhythm with it right now and i we have a balance with you and just wanted to we just want to sit back and enjoy but also having this extreme level of excitement for what's coming and I know a lot of listeners are in that same spot. So it's been fun for you and I, Joseph, to really kind of go, all right, now let's look ahead to the Star Wars stories and themes we want to explore and keep in that uh, high energy, positive uh, way of, uh, of living as a fan. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me that, you know, going into the first season of Mandalorian, uh, not knowing a lot, not knowing the, you know, incredibly key thing that this was going to be a relationship about him and this uh, baby Yoda, the child, was so great. And I think people responded to the first season uh, with just such uh, open hearts and open minds that a part of me was like, I just don't want to speculate at all about season two. I just want to watch it. Uh, but then as soon as uh, we discussed having this topic, and I took some time to just open my mind. All these ideas just flooded in because I liked the first season so much. And I'm so excited uh, for the second season. So I am feeling really uh, enthusiastic and joyful about uh, speculating, hopefully responsibly, about uh, predictions and more hopes for the second season. A lot of hopes indeed. So some honorable mentions for me. I'll start here. Uh, I want the armor to return, one. But two, have another cool fight. <laughs> <laughs> right and there's been uh, look i think a lot of people just love this character emily swallow does a great job uh again much like you know mandalorian no uh, mask on no face uh just telling a whole story with that uh and i've seen the there's possibly it looks like a what a black series six inch figure coming out or has been out I, i've lost track of that to be honest just saw some photos on the net look great i just love this character and there's something cool about this character uh something powerful and that fight scene was great because I remember seeing that clip of what we I learned later on. Oh, that's the armor. But going back to the trailer going, uh, she's uh, that character's kneeling down. Stormtroopers are showing up. Probably doesn't go good for that character. So I had that in my head. Talk about predictions and why you don't want to hold on to them. And then when that scene happens and she pulls out her, her blacksmith tools or armor tools and just starts whacking stormtroopers across the face. I just, I still love that sequence. It's just great. And so I'm not here just for pure violence in Star Wars, but for the armor, I am. 
<laughs> I am right there uh, with you. Uh, the armor is one of my absolute highlights of mm. season one. On one hand, a complex, interesting character, uh, this uh, small covert that's uh, led by a matriarchal figure and a culture where the blacksmith is also the person with the greatest wisdom because that's what their culture is. All these deep ideas. And then also, she just looks cool, sounds cool, and it made me very happy when she just kicked people's ass <laughs> in a cool way. So it's everything Star Wars from the depth to, yeah, hit them with yeah. the thing. <laughs> hit him with the thing. Hit him with the thing. Mandalorian. Hit him with the tongs. Tong <laughs> beat down. I want another tong beat down. Love it indeed. So that's one of my hopes. The other one here. So I saw a lot of people joking around, speculating. You know, we got uh, Robert Rodriguez, Peyton Reed uh, directing. We know we had the director cameos last year. Um, here's So, yes, I'd love to have them in it as well. But here's what I actually want. I really want Bryce Dallas Howard, who has... Re- return to direct an episode. I really want her in an episode, maybe even more cameo. She's a, she's a great actor and putting her in there with her presence. Uh, it would be a lot of fun. I hope that's, I hope that happens. And maybe she's part of the new Republic. Maybe every director has to cameo as some part of the new Republic, <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the, the off camera controlling body of the story, right? That makes some sense. So mm. anyway, that's, uh, that's one thing for me. I, I really uh, hope is Bryce Dallas Howard in the show, not be, not just behind the camera. Yeah, she's in one of those two X-Wings we saw in the trailer. You heard it here first. There you go. There you go. Um, say Maybe if she gets to say lock S foils in attack position, that'd be great. Uh, so uh, there's uh, that. That's, so that's that's it. That's my big hopes. Uh, you know, I know the Biker Scouts, it looks like Jason Sudeikis has tweeted out some stuff about revenge, and maybe that's the same character. Some kind of fun cameos. Uh, and there's a lot of rumored and confirmed actors showing up, but I'd love to, you know, I was surprised and I don't know if I missed the announcement, but I was surprised when, you know, Amy Sedaris shows up and you know, I'm a, a fan of her work and used to love watching uh, a lot of the sketch stuff she did in the nineties, particularly strangers with candy and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, something like that too, where I just, you know, Brian Poissane, where you're like, Oh yeah, Brian's in star Wars. It's great. I, I'd <laughs> love to have more surprises like that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be such a philosophy of let's cast people who are known for other things, uh, and and introduce introduce them to the Star Wars world. That I'm sure that we will get more of those yeah. fun, surprising uh, yeah. cameos or or small roles or large roles. The name is Stairs. I would love. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been watching that Favreau Chef show with Roy Choi. Uh, give me Roy Choi in Star Wars. Just have him cooking some Cubanos. <laughs> that too. Nice. That's my, that's my honorable mentions. What are yours, sir? Excellent. Uh, yeah, I'll keep mine short. Um, some quality time with Pedro Pascal's face. Uh, and this is another one of those just kind of a practical thing, but also uh, a philosophic thing. Like, you know, at any point, is that a tenant of the Mudhorn clan that you can take your uh, helmet off with family? Or do we end up with a scene where he is, um, you know, separated from the child in which there's been some rumblings about and he's, you know, alone uh, and we, the audience, get to spend some time with him with the helmet off. I think that would be really interesting. Uh, I, I want to see it because uh, I think Pedro Pascal is a great actor and it's great to see uh, his face. And I think it's just ha- thematically really rich if it's if it's done right, mm-hmm. which I think they're absolutely on board with doing right. Um, I There is, of course, the large rumor that uh, Sokotano is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about Ahsoka Tano and what I want uh, from her presence, there's a ton of stuff going on. But if I'm just really honest to uh, my nerdy heart, what would send uh, uh, chills up my spine is if there's if Ahsoka Tano is in this and there's even a passing reference to her knowledge 
of Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Just the power of her relationship with Anakin. If she's moving around the galaxy now, if she's a resource for somebody like uh, uh, Mando, who's like, I need to understand the, this Force stuff and this Jedi stuff. And somebody said, go to Ahsoka Tano. And she's like, well, you know, there's there's other people that you've ever talked to. You know, have you heard the myth of Luke Skywalker? You know, mm-hmm. that would just be chill inducing to me. Um, you know, all, all the big talk about ideas and themes. There are still those moments for me. That's just like I am a giddy Star Wars fan. And that would make me giddy. Uh, yeah, get, yeah, get it. Luke Skywalker, giddiness. They they go together. You know? <laughs> they do, they do. Uh, two other ones. Um, I, I really liked in the first season, chapter seven, chapter eight, uh, between them had that great cliffhanger. And to me, that is such a part of the DNA of Star Wars that's really being embraced by Mandalorian is that serial adventure cliffhanger vibe. I know a lot of the episodes are going to be standalone. That'd be great. But I would love mm-hmm. it if one or two of them had a cliffhanger, like an actual mm-hmm. cliffhanger. We have to wait for a week to find out what happens next. I really like that sensation. I like what that does to us when we're uh, as a community viewing something like this week to week. And, and to me, it, it, it harkens back to the absolute origins of Star Wars. So I, I would love to see a cliffhanger or two. Oh, I'm more for that. Tune in next week, same Mando time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And my final one is, mm-hmm. since a lot of the Mandalorian is like, hey, let's look at something that that is from the original trilogy that we probably had as a toy that mm-hmm. people really didn't take seriously or think was that interesting. And let's look at it from a different direction. Uh, let's uh, create a little bit more respect for it. In that vein, I would love either the character Lobot or the vehicle, a cloud car to show up. Even better if it's Lobot in a cloud car. <laughs> cloud car. With a leftover cloud car pilot and the other one with a big <laughs> helmet. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I'm rooting for the Lobot so we have a new generation of sad Lobot figures to just make <laughs> your uh, joke work that much more. That's right. You know, absolutely. Uh, you know, New York Comic Con exclusive Black Series, you know, deluxe Lobot. That'd be great. Oh, you got to have that. I mean, look, I'm hopeful. This is now now recording this post-trailer, and you had put this down pre-trailer. I have the email, friends, to confirm this if you need to. Uh, to see that one shot in the clouds, I mean, we're one step closer to cloud car. I know, right? What if those cloud cars just emerge from the clouds? That's where they belong. <laughs> They're among the clouds. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that I could go on and on, so I'm going to keep it to that. Those are my runner-ups. Great. All right. Now we've reached our number one hopes for Mandalorian season two. And I'll uh, go with my number one. So Joseph can close with his number one. All right. This one is not specific. It is a vague. It is this. It is, I want answers that lead to more questions. All right. The great Rowdy Roddy Piper once said famously in a promo or three in wrestling, uh, just when they think they have all the answers, I change the questions. So we both have put things out there of getting a little bit more information, context, clarity, uh, characters showing up uh, that give us, uh, you know, the state of the galaxy, the state of the empire, the state of the new Republic. There's a lot of things there that I would just plain and simply like answered. But I thought season one worked so well by just playing with wonder playing with the spirit of what is going on, not dealing with bits of information that will come in time. And that definitely could be in this season. And I want some of it in this season, but I want this season to end. You mentioned the cliffhangers, stuff like that. 
I want this season to end for me just to be like, wow, I, I definitely have so many more questions. And the galaxy just a time period that I we're all kind of aware with aware of, or, you know, even though some of the canon details haven't been filled in, even in the novels, we're, we're, we've played around in this territory before, but just to be like, there's things I still don't even know. And that I didn't know I wanted to know about what's going on in this era. Give me some of that. So forever, every answer, give me two more questions. I think this is a, a great, great uh, hope. And I think a very accurate, prediction i think that is the spirit of this I, I think it does borrow from some of that energy of the original trilogy where you know things are just uh, mentioned and they are they give you clarity on the characters that mm -hmm. in the moment that's important to the character but then they just fire your imagination uh, those of us who grew up with the original trilogy like how many uh, hours have we spent discussing and uh thinking about the bounty hunter they ran into on ord mantel right mm -hmm. um there's, you know, in Legends that that was answered multiple different times by multiple different people because that one line was so exciting. And the Mandalorian captures that mood so well to just suggest something. It suggests a thousand different adventures while also kind of being clear on the adventure that you're in uh, at the moment. So I think that's a great prediction. The other thing that it made me think about is if we, we know that a third season is already being written, planned, all that. Yeah. If there are only three seasons, that makes me start to think, will the show The Mandalorian have a the structure of a trilogy, right? Mm -hmm. um, the first season kind of works like that. It is the introduction to the main idea, the introduction to what's at stake. What is it going to mean to Din Djarin to be a Mandalorian? How, does, uh, how do the ideas of Mandalorian put the ideas of family uh, merge together this relationship uh, with the child and it ends on the way a first act often ends with a, a victory and then racing off ready to face new challenges which makes me think if it's gonna follow that arc that means the second season might be dark mm -hmm. it might end the whole season might end on kind of a horrific cliffhanger or horrific question but it also might end with uh, some ideas that the Mando or the child or other main characters have th some ideas about the world that they think is clear and then something shatters them. Like, I'm not saying it's going to straight up be a, it's Empire Strikes Back and Mando's going to find out who his father is. I'm not saying that necessarily, mm -hmm. but I think on a thematic level, I think there's a good chance that it gets to what you're talking about where not only are we the audience left with these big dangling questions, uh, but that there's an answer. There's some more information about the state of the galaxy, about the truth of who, who people are uh, deep in their soul that causes our main characters to really have doubt and really question themselves. And an answer that leads to more questions might be the final episode of season two if it follows that three-act structure. <laughs> Chapter eight, more questions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Chapter eight. But who am I really? Yeah. So there you go. On one hand, yeah, I think it's a uh, yeah, pretty simple. Yeah, that's probably it's that's good writing. That's good shows. That's good movies. That's what it does. But yeah, to your bigger point of a trilogy or or building the next chapter. Yeah, I, I just um, I just I want to feel lost in a good way at the end of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I feel lost. I, oh, I, I knew. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really really great. That's really exciting. And now I feel like I need to emotionally prepare myself for. I'm sure season two will be a satisfying meal all by itself, but having season two end and go, wait, how long do we have to wait? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah. That's always, that's the worst, right? It's like, again, it's like ordering a good deli sandwich four bites in you're halfway done and you know, the journey's over. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> oh, it's just me. Uh, that is my number two answers that lead to more questions. My number one answers that lead to more questions, but now we've reached your number one hope for Mandalorian season two. Joseph, what do you got? Yeah. My number one, I, uh, also considered changing, but no, after we saw the trailer, mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. is my honest number one hope. And it is Mando and the child's adventure in a Jedi temple. Uh, now this, uh, I came to this because I was really thinking about the mission of the second season. It ended up being really highlighted, really underlined in the trailer of on the surface, really the Mandalorian is just trying to be like, okay, he's some kind of, uh, comes from a race of sorcerers. And is that a philosophy? Is that a creed or is that a people? (laughs) I'm not clear. Uh, so I'll go try to find some of those answers. And from that, a lot of ideas emerge of like, oh, well, that would make sense if Ahsoka Tano pops up because that's somebody who could get, provide some of these answers. But then when I really thought about like the way the show has been in season one and the way it might be in season two, that this is not only a practical journey, but like a real emotional, philosophical journey for the Mandalorian. It's like, what a, what a great way to explore that if Mando and the child have to go to some place that we've seen a Jedi temple be like in uh, mm-hmm. Rebels, in Rebel the Temple. Clone Wars, in a Jedi Fallen Order, that they're all different, but they all really, uh, Jedi temples seem to all kind of have some element of them that that function a little mirror-like. They're a little like, you know, the only thing that's in there is what, what you bring in there with you. Uh, and yeah. what a great way to make the Mandalorian, who's already facing some of these questions of like who do i really want to be what is my relationship with this child really what do i really owe to him do do i just want to drop him off or do i want to become a part of his family to have something as mystical and weird and otherworldly as a jedi temple uh a new jedi temple that these creators get to event uh, invent and to have him have to face all those questions in this place that he doesn't understand but maybe the child reacts to intuitively uh we've already seen the child kind of reach into the dark side when he choked Cara Dune uh, mm-hmm. would a temple you know force him into uh seeing how powerful the child is and how dangerous the child is uh all these really interesting ideas to me and then when I think of not just the Mando going hey Ahsoka Tano can you give me the the Wikipedia entry of what a Jedi is and what's this uh, guy's species. But instead having to face on like an emotional level. Oh, this is what the Jedi were. I know my people, the Mandalorians fought with them. We considered them enemies at one point, but what is their deal? They go around the galaxy, not being a race, but being a creed. And they have this philosophy of honor that they're trying to stick to and they fail and would he suddenly start to like uh, not go, oh, the Jedi were right, but have a little bit more rhythm with understanding the trials of the Jedi and how that's going to impact him. So there's this super surface level. Uh, that'd be awesome. You know, it'd be awesome if they went to Ilum and they had that experience there. It'd be awesome if they went to a planet I've never heard of with a Jedi temple I've never imagined. But more than anything, it's because it gets down into these sort of 
deep roots of what's at stake with who the Jedi were, how that might connect with the idea of who Mandalorians are, who this Mandalorian wants to be, and what is the true power of the child. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, because I don't, there's part of me that does want that second or two of walking into a temple and pulling something off the shelf and going, what's this? Oh, hey, cool, we got the answers. Again, going back to what I was just even talking about myself of, of answers leading more questions, but what you're saying, to be able to use the Jedi, a Jedi temple or a Jedi sacred place or the history of the Jedi, the force, something it can't be ignored for too long, too much longer in this show. Uh, it was really interesting how they used it in uh, season one. And you and I talked on the breakdown of, I, I still, sometimes I want to know more beyond the, uh, every other Mandalorian in the galaxy knows their history of fighting the Jedi, except for this one kid and know he was adopted into it. Uh, why him and the armor sound so confused. I, I don't say that as a joke. I say that as I really enjoyed that. Now, where do you take that? And being able to use that to show us really what the Jedi were, what the Jedi are thought of in this time. We are on the way to them becoming myths again right now in, the, in this time period. So yeah, to be able to, to not just say, cool, Jedi temple, Kyber crystal, but that, as you said, a mirror looking back at uh, the Mandalorian and the galaxy at large and what the child could be or could not be. So yeah, that'd be great. And I, you know what, and here's the thing I'll explicitly state it. This is something that I would absolutely trust Filoni and his influence on. Um, he's used it very well in Rebels or his team. I, we, we say Filoni, every time we say Filoni, I never want to take credit for the other, uh, the great producers and writers that work with him, but you know, I get it. He, he's, he's on the headlines there, but you know, it's been used so well. Clone Wars too, but Rebels, they used it just extremely well. Uh, yeah the the spiritual emotional stuff and i think maybe that's what's so exciting to me too um that obviously uh favreau has such a an original trilogy guy perspective and what is his relationship with the jedi at this point when he was a guy who grew up thinking that they're you know really noble and a little bit more nomadic they just travel around the galaxy and, and find people and like if he still has that in his heart of that's who the Jedi were and then Filoni has a greater understanding of, you know, all of their story through their prequels and so much great experience of the Jedi Temple. You combine those different ideas about Jedi. What do those two people kind of ultimately create together? And does mm -hmm. that start to just open up lots of new and fun and interesting ideas about the Jedi all through the eyes of our main character, uh, Mandalorian, and uh, the big cute eyes of the child? Yeah, for, for lack of just you know, nuance on the, on the long list of writers and producers on this show, just for Filoni to have, bring some of that nuance to, to John bringing just the, the feel. I think he's really good with that. And, and sometimes I, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I, I tease both these guys on air, you know what I mean? But I love, I love their work. And I, I am a fan of Favreau, man. I watched that chef show because he's just, he's just engaging and, and charming and can just carry on conversations with the dude shucking clams and a celebrity chef and do it equal <laughs> as well. So I, I, and he has somewhat of a, of an of a approach I think I would have of just like, man, you know, I, I loved Star Wars as a kid because of the pew, 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 and because of the sabers and everything. I do want to dig deeper because I tell stories and I know how to find themes in a Cubano sandwich being made, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the accommodation to in this kind of setting, if that's what we're going to going to. And now that we have seen that trailer shot, the walking into Ilum, not Ilum, Hoth seven or whatever it is. What do we call it? Snowy town 12. <laughs> that has every, every kind of feel and look of kind of what you're describing. And that would excite me. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's my number one. The Mando and the child have a really exciting day in a Jedi temple. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, if you want that exposition, just wait for Moff Gideon to come around and say, the Jedi were an ancient order of religious warriors. Uh, let me explain it there. Their utility belts uh, contained aqua breathers for underwater necessities. You were wearing the common robe worn by a Jedi to make it seem they were like they were moisture farmers. It'd be great. We joke, we joke. We love Moff Gideon, too. Well, there you go. Joseph and I have listed our hopes, dreams, and predictions for Mandalorian Season 2. We'll know soon enough. And who knows, more marketing, even maybe another trailer will slip in there, an exclusive photo shoot in a pop culture magazine, and we'll get more answers, too, along the way. We just are excited for new Star Wars and the possibilities contained within. So that is what we have this week. As always, you can follow the podcast at uh, on Twitter at Force Center Pod, use hashtag Star Wars Rank to join this conversation. We're on Facebook at Force Center Podcast, like our Instagram page as well, or follow us there. We're on YouTube as well. More content on there. And look, let me address something. I get it. I've seen some of the comments. This is one that goes up my craw a little bit. Uh, if you will allow me, Joseph, Star Wars Ranked is the the one I, the show I mostly lead here. I apologize if I if I say something that you don't agree with. We are putting more content on YouTube. We got the in memoriam up. Uh, we are dropping the news things. A lot of it is rebroadcast versions for podcast. Star Wars show and tell is video, and more content will be up on YouTube that does have our faces on it. As of right now, I have a strong belief that podcasts done on camera um, are not as effectual as I want them to be and as Joseph wants them to be, not just because I'm an old radio guy, just the way we approach it, the quality of our conversations. We get a lot of questions that are really well-meaning of, can you just do video? We will in some other way inform these shows right now, not. <laughs> so <laughs> just want to, want to, want to address that because I saw some comments this week. Uh, I want to be nice. want to be supportive because you wanting more of us is not a bad thing, but uh, these shows will remain like this uh, for a while there. So, but we're on YouTube. If you'd like, go over there, subscribe, rate, and review. As always, if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to audibletrial.com slash four center, get a free audio book and uh, support the show as well. We got merch at tpublic.com slash user slash four center. And uh, you can support us at Patreon at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, you can follow me at Kednapsock. Go to Kednapsock.com. And Joseph, uh, they can go to your website for information on your life. That, <laughs> that is exactly right. For information, what did he eat today? Find out on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for my other comedy podcast, Obsessed, and uh, lots of comedy albums and a link to the Adult Swim show I work on, Tigtone. Uh, all on my website, josephscrimshot.com. And Ken, I do just want to uh, affirm that I that I agree with you. Um, okay. I super, super appreciate and honestly am a little shocked to live in a world where somebody is requesting to see my face. I really, really appreciate that. And I think for me, there is a, go, moving to video just uh, because of the way our lives are set up, uh, the way our tech is set up. It's not just to switch a switch a button. And I know it is for some people. And, and so I can see them from the outside. Why can't they just turn the cameras on? And I think for me, there's, you know, some technical stuff to put a bunch of time into. And then there is just some kind of like mood and energy. You know, I, I don't want to always be looking into a camera. I want to be uh, looking uh, into your eyes or watching your waveforms on the computer and interacting with you, Ken, uh, when we talk. And, you know, I, I think for myself, 
Uh, I can sometimes just be a little bit of a slow mover because I really like to uh, think about things, analyze things. And I think that's kind of the way we both are in some ways, good, bad, or otherwise. That's just kind of who we are and how we operate. Yeah. It doesn't mean to say that we won't have uh, some quick quick hits along the way, all those kind of things. We totally get it. And again, appreciate it. I've just seen some of the comments that are uh, a little bit of like, come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason why. And and also just a belief. I think if you're on this is a weird discussion and a positive show on, if you're on camera, uh, you're not doing an audio pod. You're not doing an audio show. And it changes the intention, changes the quality of the conversation. doesn't mean it's a bad quality. It's different and not what we're trying for here. And rant. Ken's been ranting a lot in 2020. <laughs> He's going to stop. All right. Mandalorian Season 2. Come save us on October 30th. All right. That's it. Star Wars has been ranked. Hey, marketers, advertisers, and business owners. Find yourself chatting up the same audience in the same places, using the same old lines. Maybe it's time to podcast the net further to catch your next customer. With Acast, there's plenty of fish in the sea with more than 100,000 podcasts and millions of listeners. So there's a perfect match for every business. Use our ad platform to cast your net, then narrow down using targeting such as demographic, show categories, audience segments, and more. Find your match and reel them in. Advertise on more than 100,000 podcasts with ACAST. Head to go.acast.com slash closer to get started.